Kids Podcast, a podcast all about sharing ideas, tips, and strategies to help you develop as a kid min leader. Thanks for listening to today's episode. To download today's show notes or to learn more about our certification program, training intensives, and institutes of children's ministry, visit our website, cogop.org slash children. Okay, so we have 14, or excuse me, 2 billion children in our world today, 14 years and under. We have a mammoth task of reconciling every child to Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. None of us can do it by ourselves, but together, what can God do through his people? Yesterday, I was talking about the four P's of reconciliation, how things that are necessary for this to happen. Does anyone remember the first P? Presence. I want you to take this quote away if you don't remember anything else about the presence. Jesus calls us into his presence before he calls us into his mission. Don't get so caught up in the next, 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 next that you're not in the presence of the Lord. Secondly, what was the second P? Purpose. Take this one away for purpose. Our greatest fear shouldn't be the fear of failure, but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. What is your purpose? What is God assigning you to do? For this season. The third P that we're going to look at today is passion. Passion. I believe the Church of God of Prophecy is pregnant with potential to reconcile this world, to reconcile every child to Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. If I could give us, as the Church of God of Prophecy, one thing that would release this potential. I've been watching us for years. I've been working closely with pastor pastors for years. And I think if I could just give pastors, now if I could just give children's ministers one thing that would really tip the scales for us to reach our potential, it would be passion. What is passion? Well, it's sort of like, the jazz player said about rhythm, he said, if you, if you have to ask what it is, you ain't got it. If you have to ask what passion is, you ain't got it. But let me give you some synonyms of that word. It's a craving, desire, excitement, fascination, a fervor, a frenzy, a hunger, an intensity, a yearning, an extreme that's passion. Now, on the flip side of that are words like this. Indifference. Apathy. Cool. Not, hey, I'm cool, but cool. Dull. Passive. The question is, which side are you on? In your ministry, if you were really honest with what you're doing. Now, I think I'm preaching to the choir here because the cool, dull, indifferent people aren't here. 
So I'm preaching to the choir today, but you need to ask yourself the question, which side of the fence are you on? Here's what Paul had to say in Romans chapter 12, verse 11. In the King, King James, he said, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. The NIV says it like this, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. The New Living Translation says it this way, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Serve the Lord with a zealous spirit or let the spirit excite you as you serve the Lord. The Amplified Version says it like this, never lag in zeal and in earnest endeavor. Be aglow and burning with the spirit, serving the Lord. The message says it this way, don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert, servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Regardless of whatever translation or paraphrase you choose, it all points to one thing, passion, passion. You know, if you read the scripture, it is fueled by passion. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 20, verse 9, but, but if I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it. Indeed, I cannot. Can you say this thing about your calling is like a fire shut up in your bones? And if you tried not to, you couldn't contain yourself. It would just come out. Standing on the threshold of the promised land after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Due to no fault of his own, I might add. Caleb said, so here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still strong today as the day Moses sent me out to be a spy in the land. I'm just as vigorous to go Go to battle now as I was then. Now, therefore, say it with me. Give me this mountain. Can you imagine an 85-year-old man? I'm going to be that guy. Now, I know I've got gray hair, but I am only 63. I'm a young, young man. I just want you to know that. Hair can be deceiving. But when I get there and I'm 85 years old, I pray that that same fire will be burning inside of me. God, give me the mountain. I want to be just as passionate when I finish as when I started. After beat being witness to the fear and panic of Israel's army as Goliath roared his challenge, David's passion for God arose in him and he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the army of the living God? He said, let no man's heart fell him for fear because I'll go out and I'll fight that Philistine. What passion. 
What passion? Would we be saying, well, King, how much money would you give me if I'll go out there? No, there were no conditions on his passion. He was just ready. It was Nehemiah's passion to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem against incredible odds that enabled him to complete this mammoth task in just 52 days. The walls that have been broken down. Paul spoke passionately in his own spiritual journey, saying, this one thing I do, forgetting all everything else, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Can't you just feel the passion of Scripture in these passages? Remove passion from the pages of the Bible and the story of the Bible flatlines. It becomes dead and lifeless. Remove passion from the pages of your own ministry, and it too will flatline. Ministry without passion is lackluster, it is colorless, it is uninspiring, and it is unsustainable. That's why I say if I could give our leaders one thing, it would be passion. Passion is the energy of the soul. It's what fires us up. It's, what, it's the driving force that gives ministry its meaning, purpose, and fulfillment. Passion is like drinking from a fire hydrant. It is invigorating. When you go to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, and get set up for your ministry, can others see your passion? Can they? Remember, we're on the potter's wheel. I'm not preaching today. I'll tone it back down. I'm just a little passionate about this subject. I really am. We've all seen people with unbridled passion or perhaps misdirected passion. Imagine what can happen if passion can be focused like a laser on a particular cause. 1 Samuel 17, let's go back to David. It tells the story of him leaving his sheep at the request of his father to check on his brothers who were fighting in Israel's army in the battle against the Philistines. And when he got to where they were, Goliath was on the side of the mountain shouting his threats, and all the men of Israel, the army, the, the fighters, they were hiding in fear. So David, on the other hand, heard Goliath defying God himself, and he stood boldly and said, is there not a cause? And that cause is what fueled his passion. Passion is always linked to a cause. So if you don't know your cause, you won't maintain your passion. Let's go back a moment to the pages of history, American history. During the height of the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln often found refuge at a Presbyterian church there in Washington. 
he would go with an aide midweek service and he would sit over by a stovepipe or, or by the by the pastor's study wearing his stovepipe hat. He'd put it in his lap. He never wanted to interrupt the meeting because he felt the congregation would lose focus if they knew the president was there. So he hid to the side. The war was tearing the nation apart at the time and his own heart was being torn apart with the loss of his own son. As the pastor finished his sermon and the people began to leave, the president stood quietly and straightened his coat and took his hat in his hand and headed toward the exit. His aide asked him the question, what did you think of the pastor's sermon, Mr. President? He said, well, I thought the sermon was carefully and thoughtfully crafted and eloquently delivered. The aide said, so you thought it was a great sermon? Lincoln said, no, I thought he failed. Failed? Why? And here was his answer. Because he did not ask of us something great. God asked Noah to build the ark. Abraham was asked to leave his home, homeland. Moses was asked to lead the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. Nehemiah was asked to build a wall. Esther was asked to approach the king at the risk of her own life. Mary was asked to give birth to Messiah. Andrew and Peter were asked to leave their jobs as fishermen and fish for men. God does some big ask. Is your ask big enough? Is what God is calling you to big enough? If not, you might not be hearing fully what he's trying to get you to do. He always will ask something big. I don't need to make a case for the evil that's in our world today. The brokenness, the pain, the war, poverty, the terror, the hunger, the hatred, the greed, the violence, the wickedness. I can simply say, is there not a cause? The reality of judgment, hell, eternal punishment, torment, the lake of fire, being lost forever. Is there not a cause? The power of a gracious God to redeem lost humanity, to offer freedom and hope and joy and peace and heaven, eternal life. Is there not a cause? You are doing more than teaching a Sunday lesson. You are engaging in a cause a cause that is bigger than we could ever imagine. Passion is fueled by a cause. But if you lose sight of your cause, your passion will leak. Now, many, many, many years ago, waterbeds were a thing. So Kelly and I took the plunge no pun intended, to get our very own waterbed. Our kids were very small at the time. They're adults now. They're in their 40s now, so you can... They were little. Robin was put to sleep for her nap and was laid on the waterbed. 
We thought she was napping. And that night we went to bed and we laid there for just a moment on the waterbed and I, <laughs> I turned to Kelly. I'm telling the story. I turned to Kelly and I said, a little facetiously, did you wet the bed? And she turned to me and said, no, did you? We both got out of bed, pulled the sheets back, and pushed down on the waterbed mattress, and it was like a little sprinkler system. And we figured out that our daughter, when we thought she was napping, had gotten a straight pin and popped little holes all through our waterbed. You didn't know it had a leak until you laid down and put pressure on it. But when the pressure got on it, water started sprinkling up. You won't know if you have a leak in your passion until pressure comes. And when pressure is applied to you, if you're leaking, you'll start springing up that passion, losing it a little bit at a time. Let me just give you a couple of pinholes that you have to watch for. The pinhole of your present reality. There was an interviewer who asked some children in a very poor country what they dreamed of becoming when they grew up. And their eyes lit up and sparkled. They dreamed of being doctors and teachers and missionaries and leaders. What they dreamed to be. And then he asked the follow-up question. Well, what do you really expect to be? And their countenance changed as they considered their realities. They lived in abstract poverty. They expected nothing more than to be poor farmers and hardworking laborers. Their youthful passion was tempered by the reality of their impoverished environment. Often we enter particular ministries with, with great excitement and high expectations only to have the f our fire put out by the wet blankets of our realities. Here are some realities you may deal with. Lack of funds. You're so excited about ministry and you just can't find the money to make it happen. Limited space. The adults seem to get all the prime spots. You're so excited. I just had more space. I mentioned this yesterday. Criticism from others who usually aren't in the trenches themselves. Man, they can put a wet blanket on you. You can have all the passion in the world, but if you have these little holes and you start feeling that pressure of others who are criticizing everything you're doing, you're just not doing it right. Why can't you do this better? Man, it has a way of just, the passion will start leaking. Visionless leadership. Lack of workers. You feel like you're doing it all by yourself. There will always 
be enough wet blankets to go around. During my early years of pastoral ministry, my dad taught me an important lesson. He said, always pastor two churches. The one that is and the one that can be. Pastor what you have, but then pastor the one with vision. And you have to do that with children's ministries if you're going to keep your passion. You do have these present realities, and some of them are out of your control. But if you can lock into your calls, what God has called you to, and envision what this ministry can be. Can I tell you, children's ministries today, just look around. It wasn't like this many years ago. And look where we're at today. One of the leading children's ministries conferences anywhere in America. Across denominational lines. Thanks to guys like this. Let's give Sean a hand. If you want to know a guy what passion looks like, <laughs> his, his picture would be by that definition in the dictionary. Passionate about this ministry. What about the pinhole of familiarity? Now stay with me through this one. I was reading a book by Max Lucado entitled God Came Near, and he talks about the agent of familiarity. Here's some of what he said. His commission from the black throne room is clear and fatal. Take nothing from your victim. Cause him only to take everything for granted. His goal is nothing less than to take what is most precious to us and make it appear most common. He's an expert at robbing the sparkle and replacing it with the drab. He won't steal your salvation. He'll just make you forget what it was like to be lost. You'll grow up accustomed to prayer and thereby not pray. Worship will become commonplace and study just optional. With the passing of time, he'll infiltrate your heart with boredom and cover the cross with dust. Score one for the agent of familiarity. Nor will he steal your home from you. He'll do something far worse. He'll paint it with a familiar drabness. He'll replace evening gowns with bathrobes, night on the town with evenings in the recliner, and romance for routine. He'll scatter the dust of yesterday over the wedding pictures in the hallway until they become a memory of another couple at another time. He won't take your children. He'll just make you too busy to notice them. All because the poison of the ordinary has deadened your senses of the magic of the moment. Before you know it, the little faces that brought tears to your eyes in the delivery room has become, perish the thought, common. It's very possible for our ministries, after we've done it a while, for it to just grow common. We could almost put it on autopilot. I was at a conference recently and I, I just shared a page of my story. This happened to me. 
You know, back in the, in the good old days, we had a testimony. I thank God I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. Remember the great church of God and on my way to heaven. Pray for me that I can hold out to the end. You know, that, that was the testimony. I was still saved. I was still sanctified. I was still filled with the Holy Ghost. But I lost my passion. I knew how to do pastoral ministry. I was good at it. You can be good at something and be passionless. I lost my joy. I lost my song. I lost my passion. And pastoral work became ordinary. It became my profession. It became a job. I'll never forget the night in a revival service. Don't remember what the preacher spoke of that night. But God did a work in this fellow. He put a new song in me. He poured passion back into me. I relate it to the fact, you know, I'm, I'm not really emotional. I'm, I'm not a runner, a shouter, a jumper. But that night, I got as drunk. Some of you have watched Andy Griffith and you've seen Otis. I was that guy. I was as drunk as I could be. They wouldn't let me drive home that night because you can't drink and drive. I couldn't walk straight. People would try to talk to me and I would just laugh at them. I was out of it. But that night, I was still saved, still sanctified, still filled with the Holy Ghost, but that night, God put a new passion in this fellow. And I haven't lost it since then. Ministry is not just a profession. It is not just something ordinary. I don't want to forget that there's a cause worth fighting for. I want the fire to be burning inside of me, shut up in my bones, that I can't contain it. Passion for what God has assigned me to do in this life. Amen. And then there's the pinhole of passionless people. Do you know that you don't have to put a lid on a bucket filled with crabs? They can't get out. As soon as one crab tries to climb out of the bucket, the other crabs will pull him back down. So a crab won't escape the bucket. Who is the crab in your bucket? Joshua and Caleb had the other ten spies. Nehemiah had Sambalat and Tobias. Christ had the scribes and Pharisees. Yet none of these men lost their passion. Why? Because they didn't lose sight of the cause. I don't know of anything that adds more value to a person than passion. I'll hire passion over ability any day. I'll take passion over an impressive resume any day. I will take passion over academic degrees, over position. Nothing trumps passion. Do you have it? Would I hire you? 
Let me ask it this way. If I worked with you for five years, would I still hire you? You can fake passion when you're first being interviewed. Man, I'm, I'm ready, pastor. I want to do this. But after you've done it a while, would I still hire you? Passion. A commander of the Allied armies in France during World War I said this. The most powerful weapon on earth is the human soul on fire. Is that your soul? We'll never reconcile every child to Christ without passion. So we're on the potter's wheel. The fourth P that I want to talk to you about today is so critical. Power. Power. Do you remember the 12 words of the vision? Reconciling every child to Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. That last part is not just a frivolous tagline. It's not just an add-on. Listen very carefully for just a moment. Very seldom do I speak about spiritual warfare. I have never been inclined to see the devil under every rock. But I believe the Spirit revealed something to me recently when Hamas attacked Israel that relates to this conference. Reports indicate that Hamas had detailed plans to target children in schools, playgrounds, and nurseries. There were news reports of terrorists in entering homes and targeting children. In one particular home, there was a large number of children gathered in what they called a safe room. And as the terrorists were in that building, they started hearing crying from that safe room, and they opened fire and didn't stop until the sound ended. Until every child was dead. There were reports of children and babies being tortured, raped, and beheaded. This was a moment of demonic activity. But Satan exposed himself. He lifted his ugly head and demonstrated visibly what he has been doing every day underground. Where in our schools, sexual confusion is being propagated. The transgender, uh, transgender agenda is being promoted. Bullying and violence 
is happening every day. Immorality is the norm. Disrespect for authority is celebrated. Drugs and alcohol are party favorites. And suicide has become the great escape. This is the generation Satan is going after. And it is also our targeted demographic. Reconciling children to Christ. <clears throat> In all my life, I've never seen such a, a shift in such a short period of time. Satan is tightening his stranglehold on this generation. God help us today to see what's happening in the heavenlies right now. There is a war taking place. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. As children's ministers, you are on the front lines of this battle. but you had better be sure that you are engaging in this ministry of reconciliation through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't fake your way through this battle. You can't just use spiritual cliches and expect to get by. This was tried in Acts chapter 19, and it failed miserably. Scripture says that God gave Paul the power to perform some unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons merely touched the skin of someone who was sick, healing came to them, and evil spirits were expelled. So there was a group that saw this happen. And so they started themselves thinking, we can do that. And they traveled from town to town, putting their sign up, miracles, casting out devils. They tried to use the name of the Lord in their incantation, saying, I command you, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, come out. And when they tried doing that, when they tried borrowing the Spirit from somebody else, The evil spirit replied, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? Man. Oh God, speak to us now. 
the uncontrollable shaking. Oh God, put us on the punishment. I know Jesus. I know Paul. I know Sean. I know Scott. I know Brian. I know Jeff. But what'd you say your name was? Then the men with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered because they tried to use something they didn't have. They tried to borrow somebody else's spirit. If you're going to engage in this generation, in this battle, that is taking place now, you better have something besides the best curriculum and the best resource. You had better have something from heaven. You had better be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So what are we to do? Do not cower in fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear. Do not back off in weakness. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. So you see, it really does take on more of a significance when Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, but you shall receive power. You can't go up against what's out there if you don't have this. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I'm praying for a fresh fire of the Holy Spirit to rest on everyone here today. Hallelujah. As David stood before Goliath, he didn't talk about the size of his enemy. He talked about the greatness of his God. Yeah, we need to face the realities. We talk about just a little bit, but don't let that dominate your conversation. Don't list all the statistics over and over and over and over again what Satan's doing in the world. Let's lift up the name of Jesus that is all-powerful, when Jesus, who is all-powerful, gave the Great Commission, He said, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go, go and make disciples of all people. Go in this power that I've given you. So we stand not by our might. Not by our power by the Spirit. Spirit of the living God. All fresh on us. Reconciling the world to Christ through the power 
Sean has told me not to rush this moment. So don't feel pressured on a schedule. I suspect that there are some of you here today who are in the trenches of children's ministries who have not yet been baptized with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Did you know He can do that right now? I want us to, to merge these two P's today, passion and power. If you have not been baptized with the Holy Spirit, but you're passionate about wanting that, wanting to be filled because you know that you had better not try to use somebody else's anointing, or Satan will tear you apart. If you need the power, I want you to get up from where you're at right now and just come and line up. I'm not going to delay very long. If you're coming, come with passion. Come believing. Come knowing what God's going to do for you today. Thanks for listening to today's episode. To download today's show notes or to learn more about our certification program, training intensives, and institutes of children's ministry, visit our website, cogop.org slash children.